Hi, I'm your host, Thomas, data scientist, data engineer, and you're listening Let's Talk AI. On this podcast, we receive experts to talk about their experience, visions, challenges, with no fear to go into technical details. If you're looking to learn more about AI and related subjects, you're at the right place to make yourself comfortable and enjoy. If you like this episode, please give us a review on your favorite streaming platform, such as Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also find more content on my LinkedIn newsletter. Welcome everyone, welcome in Let's Talk AI for this new episode. I'm super happy to be here. I'm with Cristina Martinez Pinto. Cristina, ¿cómo estás? Or, how are muy you? Muy bien, estoy muy bien. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invitation. I'm really excited to be here with you and with your audience. Thank you. Um, just for, for anyone that might not know you uh, in the audience, I, I always like to ask my guests, um, to define themselves. So could you define yourself in a few sentences, in a few words? Of course. I think that's an existential question. I (laughs) think I have many identities. I consider myself a generalist, an internationalist, a a tech policy entrepreneur, a mom, a daughter, a wife, a sister, a friend. I think I'm someone that's uh, very professionally driven. Hmm. And if you would define yourself uh, more in a professional way, how would you explain what you're trying to achieve? I always like to understand, uh, I, I would really like to go back into your background and, and what you've done uh, so far and how you grew and how, how you managed to capture all this experience. But uh, to the people listening, what are you trying to achieve today? Of course. So one of these many identities that I mentioned is being a technology policy entrepreneur. I have a background in international relations and public policy, and I've been working, and well, coming from the social sciences work, I've been contributing to the field of technology policy and technology governance, and specifically uh, working in developing uh, research policy recommendations around the Uh, around how to leverage specific kind of technologies like artificial intelligence for social Mm. impact. So I am also the Mm. founder and CEO of the PIT Policy Lab. PIT stands for Public Interest Technology, which is a movement that places uh, technology as a tool Mm -hmm. for the social good. So actually it became like technology is a means for a public interest for a public interest purpose and yes. what's at the center of the work that we do is actually the the communities the people that we design for either interventions programs uh recommendations depending on, on the scope of the project that we work on and i think it's okay. important to say that we focus in the latin american region as a as a consultancy startup that provides these services I, okay. I I think this this is uh, a very interesting and, and nascent field, but it, it didn't okay. come out of, of nowhere. It's building on decades of, of other movements that and, and ecosystems and, and communities that have formed around open data, around open government, 
around Gothic, there I think there are many, many different concepts that have their own community of practices, but that in the end have a, a confluence. And I think public mm -hmm. interest technology is an umbrella that bring that bring these kind of communities together. Also, hmm. I also I think I identify myself as as a, as a civic technology, someone that has had a had previous experience in the public sector. That's mm -hmm. why I got in love with the policy world. Someone that's also very curious and that's and, and that enjoys science fiction. That's why I found like a, a perfect intersection in between thinking on mm -hmm. possible futures, specifically desirable futures, because of course we can have utopias and dystopias. Yes. So mm -hmm. so using science fiction as an inspiration, but then also narrowing down to the to the present and to how yes. to understanding how technologies are impacting our society our society and transforming our relations towards one another. And wow. well it's it's very That's... it's very complex but it's fascinating because it's uh, it's also very relevant and in some cases uh, novel, at least in the approaches okay. that we take to do some of the research that, that we do. And yeah, I'm mm -hmm. happy to discuss more about this with you. Awesome. Well, now for the people who didn't know you, now they have quite a, a great picture of uh, what you want to achieve and uh, who you are. Um, that's awesome. Well, I have a lot of questions because I was not familiar um, at the beginning, to be honest, with uh, technology policy, uh, entrepreneurship, or public interest technology. Um, so I I I I looked a bit uh, about the subject, and I would like uh, to define a few things uh, with you before uh, understanding maybe better when you talk about novel approach or research that you might do. Like maybe dive a bit deeper into. Um, how does it look, uh, like, for example, uh, a pattern? Um, I have many questions regarding <laughs> that. Um, oh, yeah, but I the first that. one is, uh, <laughs> can you define public interest technology and, and the components it represents? Yes. I, I want to, what I want to put on the table is that as a movement, the public interest technology Uh, ecosystem of practitioners haven't come yet to an agreement of a single definition. However, I do okay. think that a very interesting group, uh, book, sorry, that's called Power to the Public, uh, that has a, a focus on the United States experience because I think it's in the United States where, where this, this practice is, is, is growing exponentially, mostly in the United States. Mm -hmm. So although it's centered mostly on the U.S. experience, and we know that when talking about technology policy and governance, context matters. So the U.S. context might not be applicable to the rest of the world. It's not necessarily applicable, but there are lessons learned and frameworks that are useful to think how can we get what we might think works in our context and then change mm. it and then propose uh, something something new. Uh, one specific definition that they use in that book, it's like a 3D model because you have a combination of use of data for data, for data analysis, for decision making. You, mm -hmm. have, you put it together with design uh, frameworks and tools 
you know you have human circuitry design there's also a proposal that was developed by a couple of, of researchers at the Beck Center for Social Impact and Innovation on a user-centered policy cycle map. And I think that's a, an amazing tool that we've been using and it's been really helpful to help us frame the, the life cycle of our projects with a user, with a person in, in mind at the center and using uh, design tools. And then you also have the, mm -hmm. the delivery component. So how you bring a ha what, what happens after you have the design component, the data, yes. what do you deliver for the public that you're for, for the public interest, but specific for specific publics that you're designing for. So mm -hmm. I think I, I like this this 3D model. It's it's sometimes hard to, to translate it into Spanish or other languages because it doesn't necessarily hold. But I think the idea okay. does. And the idea is to again to use data, uh, empiric evidence to for for decision making, to put people at the center and to co-create with the same people. It's not only I, as a researcher, I am gonna uh, provide solutions that I think work for them, but it's actually listening to them to, to, to understand what the problem is in the first place and whether or not mm. any type of technology can be part of the solution. Because again, it's not about, I think what, what happens a lot is that we have like that we already, and, and I remember having these discussions while working as a public servant and then in my other roles uh, at the digital development global practice at the World Bank or at CMI's AR for Social Good Lab. And, and I think something that always comes across is that we like, we want to explore the specific uses of a specific technology within different contexts. Mm -hmm. But then again, mm -hmm. it's a, like I already have the use case, and I wanna, and I want this use case to be developed in a specific context that I think might be fit. And it's all the way around because it's not about the technology and the use case we want to develop. It's actually about pro solving problems with the public interest in mind. So if there is a specific problem, and if we can ask the people that are being impacted by it, what's happening, then we mm -hmm. have a better mm -hmm. understanding whether a specific set of solutions can include or not technology. And I think mm. so, that is, is hard to, to, to recognize because sometimes we, or, or we could tend to think that the technology component is the most important part of the, of the, of the project or an initiative, yeah. but it's actually not, it's actually working with the people that takes time changing uh, okay. having having like thoughtful conversations uh um and, and taking the time to actually make sure that we are uh identifying potential risks that we're putting in place uh, strategies to mitigate those risks and that we then also have like a strategy or a mechanisms that we can go back and forth to iterate whatever that we're proposing to make sure that it's that it, it that is taking into account the the potential impact that is having uh, within yes. within the people that we work with. Okay, okay, and I, I wanted to to ask you about um, you said different things. I wanted to come back. You talked about uh, principles, um, so I would like also to talk about principles. I would like to talk about AI governance, mm -hmm. uh, but first to, to come back to. Um, the entrepreneurship perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, so you define yourself at the beginning as a technology policy entrepreneur, uh -huh. as 
this between many other things, of course. Um, but um, so regarding the business side, for example, there is um, what kind of client comes to you and how with technology policy uh, or publicity interest technology, like how do you approach problems with those clients? Who are those clients uh, to, to ending up um, having a public interest technology? Okay. How does the process work? It's maybe a, a very entry-level question, but... Uh, no, actually, uh, it's a, I think it's an excellent, excellent question because um, it defines policy and entrepreneurship in two different terms. Because I think the first one has to do with the, co- with the concept of being a policy entrepreneur. And that is more, it, it's an existing concept, uh, like an a- academic concept, that mm. I, when I learned, I found it fascinating. And it's also, it, it was, it's, it, it stemmed for, from my community of, of practice in the U.S. You, you'll see that I, I'm influenced by the U.S. experience because I've been close, uh, prof, like professionally and during my yes. educational uh, training to U.S. institutions, mm. which I think it's fascinating to contrast to contrast to the European Union experience, to the Western, uh, well, to, to the rest of the world experience. I think that the U.S. provides interesting examples, but it's not necessarily the, the, the context that makes sense for many Latin American countries or others. So anyway, yeah. so uh, policy entrepreneur refers to people, entrepreneurs refers to people that are, uh, Policymakers that that are also on the lookout for opportunities to enable change within their mm. their scope of work. So I really like yes. that because I I'd never defined myself before as that. I, I was a policymaker, of course, but I think it's it's this part of being curious and looking for more and looking for opportunity and looking to make things happen. So that's a a, a, a huge component of, of policy entrepreneurship. How within the set of resources that you have the skills that you have, how do you make things happen? And then on the second layer of the policy entrepreneur, uh, uh, as the founder yeah. of, of the Big Policy Lab, uh, I think when defining what was like a target group of, of clients, initially you would think public interest, of course, governments, local, national governments. But as 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 bro, uh, I don't know if you've experienced this, but you might know it or be related to it. It's very hard, like the 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 budget public budgets are 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 scarce. Uh, mm. Public the the timelines to work with the public sector are are also a challenge because you always in some kind or another have a change of administration a change of a political appointee and you yeah. might already have had like a specific project in mind that in the end you, you have like this this person that was leading a department or ministry or institution that's changed and then your projects project comes to a halt so mm. what we actually do and it's part of all of our approach is uh, that we work with different sectors where the governments at the national level, at the local levels, are very important, but but so is the rest of the actors that, that come to play into our initiatives. For instance, we have mm-hmm. startups, we can have the, the social sector, 
NGOs. Yes. We can have um, uh, academia. We can have the private sector, big tech companies, and we can have international organizations. And at least uh, we have we we've been operating for two years. And what we've been doing, of course, we're trying to diversify. Like, hmm. how does do our clients look like? But but to be honest, it's a lot of, of looking for open calls and, and submitting proposals to specific projects that are mostly financed by international organizations. It can be mm. banks like the World Bank, the Inter-American Development Bank, GAF. It can be uh, uh, um, foreign governments like the the like the United Kingdom, like France like uh, mm-hmm. the European Union, like uh, mm. like Germany, their cooperation agencies. So it's always a, a, a matter of being on the lookout for opportunities and, mm. and also to, to work with other organizations in understanding what are our, our strengths, how we can complement each other. In, I think there's a trend of instead of competing against each other, creating these consortia where we come as a like as a stronger building uh, block to yeah. to apply to to this kind of 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 multi-year initiatives i think what's important hmm. i i think what's also important to to mention we the pay policy lab is the first spin out of c mines uh c mines is an amazing it's a woman-led organization it's where i led for a couple of years, the artificial intelligence for good lab, and were their first spin out. And together with C Minds, with other organizations like Centro y para el Futuro, eh, Mexico Digital, eh, Latam Digital, and so many other um, social tech, so many other organizations that are working on the on the tech field from different angles. Well, we're I think mm-hmm. we're we're we are acknowledging each other's roles. We are recommending each other, depending on the type of, of projects that we're doing, depending on, on the mm. expertise that's needed. And I think that's also a very interesting, like value added that we put on the table with our FIT consultants network, because what we did there was identify Latin American experts on very specific topics like data intelligence, like technology policy like gender and technology like human like digital activism and human rights like um uh, e-health uh e-government gov tech and so on Mm -hmm. like so many different angles so if we have a specific project that requires the expertise of anyone in the consultant network we know who to go to and if, hmm. if it's something that's outside of the scope of, we have 25 experts uh, on a variety of topics, but still, if, if it comes, like like we, we were working last year on a, on a project on, on smart tourism, and we were on the mm-hmm. lookout for an expert on smart tourism, and we found him, and now he's yeah. part of the, of the network. So it's, it's always a, a, a process where we're looking for talent, where we're looking to not only for talent to incorporate, but also to 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 make their trajectories and their knowledge more visible to the rest of the region and to the world. To say mm. there's talent in our region, and sometimes mm. what's lacking is opportunity. 
And I think uh, yes. that's also something that's very important to the public interest technology field because, as I said, it's a it's a like a it's a field that's growing mostly in the United States, and it's sup- and mm-hmm. it's supposed to be very like inclusive and diverse and equitable. But then it's mm. completely close to the United States experience. So I, I think yes. w- when we when when we as the policy lab emerged. What we were thinking is how can we open the tools, the frameworks, the knowledge that's been developed by the community of practice to Latin America? And how can we not only open yes. and import the knowledge, but how can we contextualize it, contribute it, and, um, and strengthen it as, a, as an international debate? So I think that's, mm. on our, that's something on the timeline, definitely. It's not something that we believe will happen overnight. But we've already yes. been working for two years, and it's just a matter of time when we when there's more international collaboration towards the public interest technology field. Mm. Okay, that's. Uh, I'm super happy to to, to learn uh, all those uh, concepts because uh, those are not necessarily uh, the part of AI and technology I'm the most familiar with personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned so many things. You mentioned. Uh, the, the inclusive parts, like making that uh, everyone, like making something fair. And I feel like this relates a lot to how you define yourself at the beginning, like te- technology policy entrepreneur. Um, regarding what, what you said and, w- and what you just explained regarding this sector, I have one question uh, about AI governance, mm-hmm. technology and AI governance. Um, you mentioned that you were leading... Um, you are leading uh, AI. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't get uh, correctly the, the name. Um, um, the, I was thinking a- it was called. It is called. It's a. It's a. It's still a leading organization in the in the field. Uh, AI uh-huh. for Social Good Lab from C Minds. They they are okay. doing amazing work around AI ethics, AI governance. Um, they are doing a lot of work around future, like uh, they have an, um, an initiative that's called Future of Earth, AI for Climate. Oh. Uh, I, I mm. think they're internationally known for, for that work. It's, a, it's really, that's really, amazing. you should definitely talk, <laughs> talk to them. I will, and, I will. You, uh-huh. you might, if you're listening right now, you might see uh, episodes with uh, a lot of people um, from yes. there because this is really what's about let's talk ai it's we want to put light on what's going on in the world a lot of the time when we speak to a very public very large audience ai is like some things that can be either very bad or very good but in the end it's just a tool and being able to share with uh with uh, people like you uh, who have this expertise and i will uh, come to my question about uh, ai governance um <laughs> But this is what we want to understand because, for example, I am a bit more technical, but I've shared with people that are more into the business part. And, and I feel like um, uh, like this concept glue everything up and it is essential to what is the value we will put into, into the world. Um, I still need to get more comfortable regarding some concepts, but um, my next question is about AI governance. Sure. And so you explained us a little bit all the definitions, uh, how you are uh, leading AI at uh, at this specific um, uh, at this specific. Um, I'm sorry, I can't with the name. What was the name again? Sorry. <laughs> at Siemens AI for Good Lab. 
Yeah. Yeah. At a at a lab. You can say. At the lab. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, my question would be: Where do the regulations begins, and how could we make? Because you mentioned the problem of the United States just before. Mm-hmm. How can we make uh, those regulations globally? How can we apply those regulations globally? I think this is also an excellent question, and I'm gonna take a little bit, uh, just a couple of steps uh, of step backs before getting to regulation, yes. because you were mentioning. Okay. You, because you yes. mentioned before the principles, data, uh, the the AI governance, and I think it's important yes. to 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 just be uh, like align on, on on these concepts. Okay. So, um, when we are discussing AI governance, we are talking mm-hmm. about overarching frameworks uh, to manage the use of AI. And in some instances, specifically, uh, like a practice or uh, suggested practices, practice, sorry, for the specific mm-hmm. uh, deployment and development of responsible AI. There mm. are different initiatives in the world. There are many papers that are working around the around the documentation, analysis of what do AI principles mean. Uh, there was an explosion during the past years around the proliferation uh, on the adoption of AI principles by companies, by countries, by regions, and by multilateral organizations like uh, international organizations like the OECD. And mm. for example, you have the OECD principles that were adopted by by member countries and signed by by other ad- adherent countries that are, other countries mm-hmm. that adhere specifically to these principles. So I think the the conversation around AI principle is is quite clear, but we there's not a lot yet of, of agreement on on how to move forward, how to go from the principles to the practice. Um, yes. So what we did at the Policy Lab is, with this question in mind, what we analyzed an initiative that the World Economic Forum has that's called Responsible Use of Technology. That's actually really interesting because it puts the focus on the private sector and not on the public sector. And we mm. thought this is interesting because usually you say uh, governance and you think immediately of regulation, uh, a regulation mm. from a public entity. And that's yeah. not necessarily the case. It's a, it's it's desirable, of course, because it's a set of rules that allows certain types of of of, of how to say comportamento, uh, just yeah, uh, like just uh, habits on, uh, or actions, habits, uh-huh, or specific actions on what you do within some limits. If there are no limits, well, there are no like there there's there you can do anything. And, and bad things can happen when when those limits are not established. But uh-huh. the reason why we focused this specific uh, paper on the on the private sector was because mm-hmm. we wanted to see what were some of the big tech companies doing around this specific question of bringing principles into practice. And this initiative mm. from the World Economic Forum is very practical. It's focused on developing use cases from companies like Microsoft, like Salesforce, like IBM, mm. on exactly what 
does it mean for them to have a specific set of principles and then put them into practice mm -hmm. as part of their operations? Okay. Um, um, what's really interesting, and, and I mean, I would definitely invite you to read our paper to get more detail on the specific examples that we provide that we provide there. I will put of, it in like, the description. Uh -huh, like a, like the like good practices. But what's what was also something that we wanted to 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 make more visible is that all of these use cases have been developed in the global in global north countries, even though these big technology companies have operation in, in global south countries, so and, mm -hmm. and an impact in global south countries. So yeah. with that mm -hmm. in mind, what we also do is we analyzed the. What, what was happening regionally and there are a lot of interesting initiatives focused specifically on the private sector on frameworks for the private sector to mm -hmm. to help them navigate the deploy the development and the deployment of ai at nascent stages so it's been fascinating because with the support for example the inter-american development bank has been leading this with the fair lack initiative an initiative that's also being uh, like co-partner with with Seamines, um, yes. Uh, Meta and Seamines develop a booklet with specific guidelines for startups, like how again principles to uh, an ethical guide to put principles into practice for startups, and it provides very practical uh, not only tools like self-assessment tools, but but also ideas of what to do. Depending on the stage of the of the entrepreneurial uh, life that you are as a as a company, so I think it's an interesting mm -hmm. combination because on one hand you have these big tech companies that are doing interesting uh, thing practical things that can be replicated if you find the if you find like a, a potentiality or, or a similarity or, or or usefulness that you could apply within your own businesses within your own teams. And then the, the self-assessment tools and frameworks that are being created regionally with a focus on small and, and medium enterprises. But again, this is what I think this is this talks more about self-regulation and anticipation to what might be coming legally uh, uh, in specific countries, regions or in the mm. world. I okay. To be honest, I don't think that we should be aiming for a global regulation, like a, a global regulatory approach, because again, okay. there's no, uh, there cannot be a one size fits all approach. Although there can be common principles, on, or no, not principles, but again, there are already a lot of principles, but common standards on on tools and frameworks that are being adopted by specific countries that could yeah. be applicable globally. For example, the European Union has an interesting like risk uh, approach, risk-based mm -hmm. approach that's based mm -hmm. more that's based more on the kind on the levels of risk that uh, that the use of uh, of artificial intelligence could have uh, depending on on its application, right? And of course, if it's mm. like a high risk it's like a, a no-brainer, it's, it's, it's banned, or, or it's not encouraged, and if it's a, like a low risk, it can be explored, and, and, and it's, uh, it's within like a, a, um, a, a playroom, uh, like, a, like a safe space for experimentation. Uh, 
So I mm. think when 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 talking or when discussing about the future of regulation, there are two tensions that occur that have to do with the velocity at which regulations can happen, and then again to the velocity of the technology evolution, right? We, we might be mm. discussing something for three years, and then by the moment that we got into uh, an agreement, that technology is already obsolete. So at least I think what's happening and what the best practices are are, are sharing or are, are putting in the table is the possibility mm. of, of, of having, of being very flexible and on putting more, more, more emphasis on, on tools that are, that can be iterated, that can be constantly updated and that can be monitored and improved. Mm. So it's not a static mm. work. It doesn't become something that's, that was, it wasn't like an exercise that involved a million people and then you have the results and that's it. But it's a kind, it's, it's more of a process that can be continued, that can be improved, that can be updated, mm. and that then allows you for regulatory flexibility within certain limits, taking into account mm. uh, if you want to, or if you're creative or have other ideas, but taking into account, for instance, a, a risk-based approach to artificial intelligence. And, mm. I, and as I said, well, I'm, I've been influenced uh, on my professional career by the U.S. experience. However, I think there are a lot of good practices emerging from the rest of the world. And there are countries mm -hmm. that are at different levels of conversation on, on the need to regulate artificial intelligence or other technologies. And some others that are uh, still at a... At a, at, a, at a different level of discussion. However, I do think um, what's necessary is to first, well, again, understand that context matters, but then also be inclusive and bring different voices, uh, representative of regions to the, to the table, because otherwise, mm. if we always feel we are behind because we're still facing connectivity issues and we're facing um, the, the challenges around the development of digital skills and digital citizenships and, and other kind of on data governance, these, these, these concepts that precede the, the, the use of, of artificial intelligence, then, mm -hmm. then we're never going to get there. It, it, it has to happen in parallel. It's, it's yeah. not like one thing and then yeah. the other. It has these this, uh, policies, actions, collaborations have to occur at the same time, at different levels, within mm. different actors. Mm. That is super interesting. And um, and if I understood correctly uh, uh, this point, uh, and I will really send to this episode to make sure uh, I, I get back on some parts, I will I will do the reading you recommended me, and, and I will of course uh, ask more about uh, about uh, about this. But uh, it is it is complicated to build the governance and policies for the world, but it is important to give visibilities and to share with the world what is going on on specific places and having a very inclusive approach, working with people abroad to have a more common knowledge and work from that towards products that can be built through time and not just applying governance to specific tools in time. No, yes, and, and and recognizing that the Western experience is not representative of the world experience, 
I last year yes. I I joined the the feminist AI network, which I think it's a fantastic mm -hmm. network. It has been an amazing uh, space for for discussion, for collaboration, and also to 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 think and challenge power imbalances. Uh, and and I think that's like at the core of it. How how we stop uh, defining our own experiences as representative of the rest of the world and are actually uh, developing new initiatives, projects, uh, technologies, and not only not developing for, but with, uh, with the communities and with, a, with an ideal idea, with, a, with mm. an object, ideal objective, which is that those communities would be developing those technologies for themselves, which is like the, the mm. last uh, aim that should be happening. And okay. uh, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's really, it's fascinating to see how, how, how many discussions, how many projects, yeah. how many angles you can mm -hmm. take from, from something that in the beginning m might be perceived as, as, as simple as creating a code of ethics or as mm -hmm. analyzing uh, a specific uh, the specific impact of a specific uh, technology in a community when you start mm. using other tools and, and and when you see these projects through different lens for example through a gender lens then you realize it's uh it's, it's much more complex and, and you need a different set of, 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 of frameworks to actually respond the, the, the research questions you might have when you're doing research. But then if it's not yes. only the production of knowledge, how, mm -hmm. which is what we do, okay, we produce knowledge, but also how do we make this knowledge actionable? So again, how do we connect with other areas so that our recommendations can become policies, can become follow-up projects, uh, have different audiences. You have decision makers, the people, mm -hmm. the companies, uh, the governments, depending on, on who's involved. Um, and, and, and it's just, and I think it's just fascinating to see also how in recent years, uh, the role of, of, of social scientists has also been recognized as critical in the development and deployment of, of technology projects, whether it be mm -hmm. artificial intelligence or others. So mm. I, I'm, I, I think this, this will be an interesting year. Uh, we're going to mm -hmm. continue seeing very, very, very um, like mind-blowing applications of, of AI and other technologies. But again, uh, it, that should not or that should be an invitation for us to to continue making the hard questions and identifying how okay so so wow we're seeing this amazing potential application hmm, who could it affect or who is is it not including or not representing and then by asking these kind of questions we can start by realizing we have a, a research project or a specific project or maybe mm -hmm. not it's just a, a, mm -hmm. a, a conversation that will lead to something else so wow no, that's super interesting and that's fascinating um well we will definitely on the podcast uh, learn more about this uh we might talk again in the future to learn more of all these subjects 
Uh, I know you're running late and, and you're running on a tight deadline. So uh, I will do just two really quick questions. The first one is how can people reach out to you, learn more about you, what you do? How, how can they look your job and, and, and... Of course, I, I, I like using, I think LinkedIn is a, is a great tool for connecting with people professionally. So I'm in LinkedIn mm -hmm. as, as Cristina Martinez Pinto. And I will also, of course, invite you to follow uh, PeopPolicy Lab social media, which is at PeopPolicy. Visit our website, policylab.tech. My email is Cristina at policylab.tech. And we have like in our website, we have publications, we have videos, resources that you can download. And I think I would like to, to also invite the audience uh, to think themselves as public interest technologists, because I think it's important whether we are uh, like technicals, whether we come from the social, from a social science background to think how our work, if related to technology, how it impacts the world. Um, mm. And I think a first step is, a first great step uh, is recognizing us ourselves as a community of practice to connect with each mm -hmm. other, to discuss in, in spaces like this, that, uh, in important mm -hmm. spaces like this that you're providing for people to learn more about, about new concepts. Um, mm -hmm to also de define a sense uh, um, of belonging and identity to a group of people that might feel that, oh, okay, so this is what I was looking for because it's what happened to me. So, so yes, I'm, I'll be looking forward to connect with, with more people. Awesome. And this was my last question. It was, uh, do you have a message? But uh, I feel like you kind of give a message already. Um, <laughs> maybe you want to add a last quote, but... Um... No, I'm, I'm open to... To continue this discussion, I think it's, this is as as we tend to say the tip of the iceberg. It's it's it's. It, I'll, I'll be looking forward to go in more depth on potential on, on next episodes mm -hmm. or with with people from your audience that might be interesting in, in learning mm -hmm. more about the type of project that we do. I think we didn't really get the chance to to talk about our different set of projects that are actually. Uh, I think are a good a, a good representation and example of the different services that we provide. So I'm mm -hmm. happy to to discuss that in a, in another episode. <laughs> that sounds great. Thanks a lot, Christina, for coming on the podcast. Let us know if you have any questions. If we should um, deep dive into some specific subjects, of um, let us know your interests. Uh, and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye bye. Congrats, you've made it to the end. I hope you had a great time and that you learned a few things. To learn more about AI, you can subscribe to my newsletter or check the blog. And to support the podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also share it with two friends, colleagues or family members that might be interested. I wish you to have a wonderful day. Bye.